Hi, this is Chris Angelus, your host at Right at the Fork, a very important message for those of you, and we assume anybody listening to this podcast enjoys going out to eat. Well, you know you have fewer choices now. We've got a very special restaurant industry in Portland. It is now less special than it was uh, a couple of years ago before the coronavirus started. And restaurants, as you know, are undergoing some very, very, very extreme challenges. They keep getting worse. Things looked a little better. And then Omicron came about. We've got labor shortages, supply line problems. And so what restaurants don't have is the funds to move forward. There was a restaurant relief fund. It had been funded a couple of years ago. Nothing has been done. Many restaurants are now out in the cold trying to survive. And you can help by logging into saverestaurants.com slash call Congress or dialing 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. It's been made very easy for you. All you do is click. There's even a script provided for you on what to say. And as you click through, you will hit the star button and make an additional call to an additional representative in your state and go over the script again. It'll take five minutes and it's very important. Restaurants need Need your help now. Please take action. And thanks for listening to Right at the Fork. This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets, where Chris, right now, you might, I don't know if you participate in this, but a lot of people do, dry January. That's where after the holidays, you may be taking a little break from the alcohol. Uh, Zupan's a great source for non-alcoholic drinks. So if you're looking to kind of make that easier to do, zero proof spirits, wines, and beer available at your local Zupan's. Can't beat that. Yeah. And what better to pair those zero proof spirits, wines, beers, non-alcoholic, than with pork tenderloin now on sale, Carlton Farms pork tenderloin now on sale at Zupan's for $7.99 a pound. They've also got specials on wild Mexican shrimp. And I love their cord pineapple. It's right there in a nice little container. Pull it out and it's nice and juicy. So that too. And of course, at the checkout counter, you've got Christina's caramel popcorn, which is some of the most addictive stuff I've ever put in my mouth. And uh, that you have to check out too. It's worth the trip to Zupan's just for this Christina's Caramel Puffcorn. Yeah, you've been, uh, I've seen you talking about this on social media, Chris, and the the fact that sometimes some of the bags aren't making it home (laughs) from Zupan's to your house. Well, in order to make up for that, I got like seven bags to give to friends. So um yeah and those are smart but yeah but not all of some of those i gotta go get a couple more because i i i fin- i went through some of those too so there's always something great happening at your local zoo pans three locations to serve you mcadam west burnside and lake oswego and of course chris we always recommend people sign up for the news feed so they can find out all of these great deals and and what's going on uh for themselves where do they sign up they sign up very simply at zoopans.com
All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm Court Johnson from Portland Radio, kink.fm. Thank you, Court, for that nice introduction. On a, uh, Here we got some... Oh, we talked about not doing the weather. I'm oh, looking out oh, at the weather. I'm always yeah. tempted to do it. Yeah. Sorry. But it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah. So um, I'll allow it. Yeah, thank you. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, you could, you, we could do some morning radio stuff and you could just eh, X me out on that. Right, but at right. any rate, I'm really glad to be here. Um, we have, uh, it's been a great month on Right at the Fork. We started it, started the month out with, uh, Vitaly Paley and Kimberly Paley, after they closed Paley's place, I've heard from quite a few people that they enjoy that interview and hearing the love. And then, of course, Patrick McKee. I've got we've got another one in the queue with Garrett Peck, who used to be the GM of all the of Headwaters and Rosa Rosa, and Imperial and Crown and all that good stuff. And of course, they closed down all the. Paley's Hospitality Group Hotel Restaurants, and Garrett is out in Bend, Sisters, wherever you want to call it, um, area, uh, partnering up with the Gorums, um, and we talked to him about that and what it was like closing. That's next week on the podcast, um, and then we'll continue. Also, uh, coming up, for those who are have been listening to the podcast on the last Monday of every month, we feature Joy Church and the Joy of Drinking, and she's going to be interviewing uh, Ryan Sankey. Let me get that properly for a change. In the past, I pronounced his name incorrectly, of Aria Jin. So look forward to that on Monday. And then again, as I said, next week, Garrett Peck of RBC, Rancher, Butcher, Chef, uh in in bend that's going to be opening soon so that is awesome in the meantime court we've had some really sad things happen in portland in the last few weeks seamus foreign a, a, a guest on the show way back of acadia bistro one of my favorite places just couldn't do it anymore and closed that restaurant um, and, uh, you know, we've heard of a number of closings up top on this podcast. I, uh, put a call to action out there to help save restaurants. And it's a really simple thing. You just make a, you need to click on one thing and it'll connect you to three of your representatives to encourage them to get more funding for the restaurant revitalization fund. That's really important because, restaurants the the foods with, with the announcement of our guest today a repeat with Nate Tilden uh, announcing he's closing Clyde Common for good that I think we can say that the restaurant landscape in Portland has officially if it hadn't already changed right court it's oh. just it's terrible out yeah, yeah yeah it's a and i don't think any of us could have uh, seen this happening the way it has and how it just continues to happen so i guess to your point chris if if you know people are asking themselves what can i do today to help first of all is you, you go through the steps that were outlined at the beginning of this podcast the other thing might be to just you know try to do your best to eat out as frequently as you know makes sense 
um, do that as often as you can. And then another thing that people could also do to help support the local food scene, Chris, and, and this has kind of been the mission of Portland Food Adventures. Um, and I know that you're, you know, what you do with Portland Food Adventures has been disrupted over the past two years. Uh, but you still have events that you've been able to plug in here and there, and you're still doing trips. And this is where people get to spend time with local restaurant uh, owners and chefs and, and go visit other places. Yeah, well, sadly, the events, we haven't had one for two years now, and we ha- almost had one scheduled, and of course, things got in the way, one of which was Omicron, so we can't do our local events right now, but we can do trips, and we have one. We are on the verge of saying, let's do it, green light it as Omicron, the spike starts coming down, and we're in late April in San Sebastian with Javier Canteras and his beautiful wife, JL, in Bilbao, Bermeo, and San Sebastian in late April. We might have a few spots left on that trip. And if not there, we've got, we might have a few spots left in, uh, in our September, same trip to uh, Basque Country in Spain. Um, you just need to call me at, uh, you find the number at portlandfoodadventures.com or a way to email me and also we do have spots to our western sicily trip with austria ensign um fantastic trip starting out in palermo going to the salt mines um going to erice and agrigento and just a beautiful trip nine days in western sicily and uh, i had a chance to preview that a couple of years ago and that's going to be some incredible seafood and some incredible experiences as well and one other thing we started doing domestic trips uh, to hell's canyon with portland chefs we feature two again this summer one with a chef from ringside jonathan gill um, who's just a great guy. We do these trips with Canyon Outfitters who've been on the, tr- the river for 40 years. And the second with our good friend, Leif Gildersleeve, who we've had on the podcast a few times, of Flying Fish Company, and his chef, Eric Englund. Um, those are in July and August. You can also find those at portlandfoodadventures.com. They are really fun. We did them last year, four days on the river, fishing and floating on the most beautiful, the most beautiful scenery you can imagine and great food, uh, served by flying fish and ringside. So that's there too. And we haven't yet put those, those are now live on the website as of this week. And we are, uh, I would say if anybody's interested, get on those because Flying Fish and Ringside will be promoting those to their, to their people in the next week or so. And last year, those sold out immediately as soon as they did. So if there are any Portland food adventures or right at the Fork listeners uh, who want to go, let me know. Okay, that's enough of that. Nate Tilden of Clyde Common, who we had on a couple of years ago. So that was episode 202. We interviewed Nate on what it took, the concept behind Clyde Common. And of course, he had Jeffrey Morgenthaler behind the bar there, which created kind of the consummate Portland concept. Uh, Communal dining, incredible locally sourced food, and some of the best cocktails imaginable. Clyde Common was known nationwide as, uh, as one of the great bars in the United States. And unfortunately, they're not there anymore. So we're going to return to that um, interview on a 
on a right at the fork classic with Nate Tilden. But I want to point out, he's still got things going at Bar Casavale over there on the east side. And that is a great place serving Spanish food. And uh, as we alluded to earlier, Court, support Bar Casavale. I mean, Nate Tilden has done so much, including owning Olympia Provisions and bringing that, uh, that incredible business to for us to enjoy over the years not only the restaurants but the the uh the meats that they serve and um and sell nationwide so nate is one of the key players in the portland food world so sad that they closed clyde common which he's going to talk about in this episode but surely uh let's let's keep his other businesses uh let's sustain them and then help them thrive coming out of this pandemic nate tilden of bar casavale and olympia provisions right here right now right at the fork is brought to you by zupan's markets unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods fresh flowers and an extensive craft beer selection step into zupans and be inspired for your next meal food loving customers as well as local chefs know that zupans is the place to find the very best northwest bounty in portland west burnside southwest mcadam and lake oswego local and family owned for over 40 years zupans markets and by portland food adventures Join our host, Chris Angelis, and his colleague, Austri Enzyme, next September for a wildly delicious adventure through Western Sicily. Palermo, Marsala, and lots in between. Book now to make sure you don't miss the best of Sicily. Since 2015, PFA has been taking Portlanders on incredible journeys with Portland chefs and artisans to Europe and beyond. Check out the trips tab at portlandfoodadventures.com for Sicily, Spain, and more. Or contact Chris through the website right now while you're listening to the podcast. I did a little bit of background research on you. I tend to do that once in a while. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot we can talk about. But I think what struck me at first is something I wanted to address. And I'm not everyone, but you got your hands in a lot of things. I, I do. More than your hands. You got your, your, you dove in. You've, what's the word? Dove? You dove? You have... I took, I took off my parachute and jumped out of the plane. Right. That's how I look at it. Long ago. But I'm curious. There's a lot I'm curious about and a few things I'd like to cover. So we'll lay this out. I want to cover um, how you got, how you went from Castagna to Clyde Common because Clyde Common was your first, correct me if I'm wrong, the first thing you did that's yeah, yours. That's correct. That and you owned. Yep. And um, then the structure of your of your whole company because... I didn't realize you had you had so many things. So long ago, when I learned about Olympia Provisions, I met um, Eli and Michelle, and you know knew they were part of it. And then I found out about this guy Nate Tilden too. Who the didn't hell know, is he? Yeah, who the hell is he? <laughs> and then as time goes on, you know, you hear a little bit about there. So it goes to what you just said. You like you would prefer to highlight chefs, but on the other hand. There, like, we we know about Vitali Paley's restaurants, sure. Gorham's enterprises, and there's a structure there. With you, you've got different people in, you, that you're doing business with in different ways. And there's good things about that and really bad things about that. Right. Okay, good. So let's start with um, the good things about that. Uh, good things about that 
uh, I don't have a structure, a business structure that, that kind of keeps it with one direction. Um, I'm kind of a free agent. So a good idea comes along or a really talented chef or, you know, something, a really cool space pops up. It's not the Nate Tilden machine, you know, putting all the pieces together and building that business and, you know, controlling that business. Um, so the freedom is exciting and that's allowed me, I've, you know, I'm part of 13 businesses right now. Um, the really bad things about it are when you build an organization, a lot of, uh, the questions and the difficult things are worked out. Come back to you. Sure. You've got a, you've got a talented team who are great at what they do. They're in house. You're saving money. You know, you've got one bookkeeper doing all of the businesses, you know, and, and by, by scaling, you, uh, make a better business structure. So that's that 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 we have with Olympia Provisions. We have seven locations in the wholesale company, mm -hmm. um, and we have an office. My office is there um, in the, in our warehouse. So that's your office at Olympia Provisions. Yep. There's no Nate Tilden. You're not going to see a really nice door on a beautiful building with your name on it. Not yet. Okay. I also I don't have an assistant. You know, well, that's what I was wondering because yeah. I haven't. Uh, you know, you and I have just been communicating. It's been between the two of us, and no, uh, there's no so third a lot party. Of, but so you're at a, and not to go f too far into this, but your office is at Olympia Provisions, but you're running some businesses that don't have anything to do with the rest of Olympia Provisions from there. Correct. Okay. Correct. Or in the sense that, you know, I'm on my computer and, you know, right. I have my stuff there. Um, I'm in Clyde Common every week. I'm in Bar Casavale quite a bit every week. Um, I'm stopping by our bakery, um, you know, once every two weeks or so. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So Spirit of 77, I'm in there making sure that things are... Didn't even um, realize that was yours. I yeah. know I read that years ago, but my my retention isn't that great. So. Yeah, Spirit of 77, there's you... three owners. One's Jack Barron, who's part of the Ace Hotel, mm -hmm. and then Donald Kenny, who's the Ace Hotel general manager. Okay, and so... He, he became an owner later on um, after we created Spirit. All right, good. So let's go back, and I'd love to... We'll get back to this, I'm sure, at some, some part of the conversation will wend its way back. But let's go back to when you were... At Castagna, right? Right, right? And you had to make a connection um, to get into Clyde Common. Right. So let's, I, I'd love to hear about how you kind of launched yourself in Portland. It's kind of a crazy story. Yeah, good. Okay. I'm at Castagna. I'm the general manager in the cafe. So I, I cooked there for three years, and I, then I ran the cafe for another two and a half years. Um, and I, I wanted to do my own restaurant. You know, I have a design and building background. My father was a contractor growing up, so I know I know how to build things here in Portland. Yeah, in Portland, yeah, yeah. He's long retired now. He's an artist. Uh, shows at well, Black Blackfish Gallery. Um, so you know, where's Blackfish Gallery? That's in the Pearl. It's on Ninth, just off of Everett. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And he's a metal sculptor. Um, so those metal sculptures get pretty expensive. They do. They do. And if, if you if you look around in our restaurants, you'll see some funny little metal sculptures here and there. Oh, good. And that's all my dad. I hope you got a deal. He likes to make pigs with, with testicles. Oh. Yeah. Totally it, fun. Pigs with testicles. Pigs with Why testicles. Why is that? He, just, he likes making those things. He likes the pig. What, what is it? I've never really noticed pigs' testicles before. He uses like little pulleys or weird little, you know, mm -hmm. it, they're not actually molded as testicles. Um, but they're little fun re representations of that. Does he show out in Cannon Beach at all? Does he he has, yeah, yeah. He does uh, at Whitebird Gallery. Okay. Yeah. All right. That we we digress. Digress. So I'm at Castagna. I want to do my own thing. I'm working on business plans. You know, I'm I'm writing menus. I'm like looking for glassware. I don't have anything going for actually doing a brick and mortar restaurant. I don't have any money. Uh, my business plans are horrible. You know, I'm just like I'm. Just, I I want. I'm looking. Um, and what, and 
Why? I just, you know, I, I've been working in restaurants for 10 years and um, loved a lot of the places I've worked. Also, some were struggles. Um, I thought maybe I could do a better job and not necessarily better than the people I was working for. I just want to do my own vision, you know? And it wasn't money motivated? Not really. Because you're not making a lot of money. No, we're as not. A, you know. We're not, we're not making a lot of money. Right. And, and, well, I didn't mean now. I meant then. Um, I'm curious both, about now both. with so many things <laughs> going. I hope you're making some money. I always wonder about that yeah. because I know the restaurant business I hear isn't very pretty. The margins are so small. It's too small. Cost of doing business is going up. Right. And, and the risk and, is high. And the risk is high. And there's a lot of competition. You know, there's right. a lot of options. You know, in our, Portland, there's competition? It is so great to be in Portland as a diner right now. Yeah. 2019 it, diner in Portland, Oregon. Been. It is amazing. I mean, it has been. But right now, it's like, it's it's so great and to be a business owner. And I hear people complain about it's, it, too. It's just difficult. It's crazy. I no, mean, I hear diners saying, yeah, yeah. oh, there's nothing, they're on board. There are too many choices. There's too many choices. And you I'm, can't, I'm, it's and like I'm guilty. A Greek, it's like a uh, Greek diner menu. You can't possibly make a you, choice. You can't. You can't I, get to them all. I have brain freeze when it's like, uh, I'm in town, I want to go, right, I should have 15,000 places on my list, yeah. and I can't think. And you're just like, I'll just get a pizza. Yeah, or, or I'll end up going somewhere near me because right. it's just easier. I don't have sure. to think now. So, okay, I'm sorry. Yep. You were at Castagna. I'm at Castagna. I, I, so so there's, there's a 24-hour little quick bullet point to hit for this story. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I leave. Friday night I leave. I ride my bike home. Um, I live up in North Portland, so I ride up Interstate Avenue, and I ride by Gotham Building Tavern, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's a party going on there. There's some crazy shit going down. Like, there's people in the street drinking. What year was this? This is 2006. Oh, this was a cool this year is, there. This is spring 2006. Um, I go home, I go to bed, I get up, I go back to work Saturday, chatting with one of the servers at Castagna, and she's like, Gotham Building Tavern closed last night. Total surprise. Like, they're out of money. They just, like, locked the door. Mm. Um, and I realized, like, that, that was, like, that was their last night of operation, and, like, the, the staff we're drinking the booze and like kind of tearing the place apart. So just because we can't assume that everybody listening to this podcast knows the story of Gotham building tavern. Can you, I think coming from you would probably be nice. It was just the, a quick paragraph overview. Yeah. There, there was a, a restaurant group called rape. Um, it was a husband, wife team, Naomi Pomeroy, who's still, you know, very rel relevant. Of course, you know, she's beast and many, right. many great things. And her then husband, um, Michael, um, Hebb, um, you know, started a restaurant called Clark Lewis, which is still around. It's a uh, Bruce Carey restaurant now. Mm -hmm. um, and then their second restaurant was Gotham Building Tavern. They found this great East Coast talent named Tommy Habits. Right. Brought him in to be the chef. You know, really cool North Industrial, you know, setting and, you know, build out. It was, I mean, it was like, it was the one of the, you know, gr you know amazing places to be. It's now Broder Nord. It's now Broder Nord. So, exactly. just for reference sake. And also, Rucker was there. Gabriel Rucker, Gabe Rucker was there. Was there. But... Yep. Uh, Jason Barkowski, who was Clyde's opening chef. Right. Okay. Um, Tommy Habits. Yeah. I mean, a t there's a ton of talent that came through there. So, they close. All of a sudden, they're like out of money, you know, oh, no, lock the doors, you know, we're done. So that restaurant group was basically died that day. Um, so it's Saturday night at Castagna. We're all kind of reeling from the fact that Gotham closed. And this two top are in having dinner. I'm chatting with them and they're like, hey, we represent the Ace Hotel. And uh, the restaurateurs, uh, Naomi and Michael, um, he, you know, Heberoy, they actually combined their names. Right. That's <laughs> what I call it. Yeah. I was going to call them instead of Heb, but yeah, that's Heb what was Palmer. coming out of my yeah. mind. Um, they were going to do the restaurant in the Ace Hotel mm. and they went bankrupt yesterday and we are screwed. 
do you know anyone who wants to open a restaurant? And are, do they know who you are? Nope. They're just randomly asking you. I'm the general manager. I'm touching their table. Holy shit. This yep. is awesome. Totally. Crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I want to open a restaurant. And they're like, awesome. Cool. Do, do, do you own <laughs> we'll this place? We'll go with you. Yeah, we'll go with you. <laughs> do you own this place? I said, no, no. Uh, you know, Monique and Kevin do. And they're like, okay. You know, are, <laughs> they, are they? <laughs> yeah, will they back you? Do they have money to help you? And I'm like, no. Nope. And they're like, okay, do you have any money? And I'm like, nope. I'm like, cool. Okay. Um, come meet one but of But you got more than, than Naomi and Michael did at I, the time. I, I, yeah, I had like 280 bucks in my bank yeah, exactly. account. Exactly. You, know? you, you were in the black. I was rolling, man. <clears throat> so they, they said, well, come meet Jack Barron. He's one of the owners of the hotel. Uh, meet him on Monday. Let's walk through the space and like talk it through. This is a great that they didn't try to just blow you off at that moment, totally. too, based on what you said. Yep. Yep. Oh, he's yeah, good. He's in a, yeah. They, 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 they said, bring your business plan um, on Monday and bring like a creative portfolio. Like, what do you like? You know, what, what images are you into? What food are you into? What, you know, what drinks are you into? What architects are you into? And I was like, oh, totally. I, <laughs> I woke up Sunday morning. I was like, architects? I don't know. Frank Lloyd Wright. Like, who, who's an architect? Thank God there was the internet then. There too. was. I actually had a cookbook um, by uh the t- a chef whose name I'm, I'm blanking, um, but also an architect co-wrote it um, named John Pawson, British. Oh, great. Yeah, very, very simple kind of austere. Yeah, I rolled in. I was like, man, I'm a big John Pawson fan. <laughs> you know, here's this cookbook he wrote, uh, and here's these really cool stuff. So I took pictures. I, I, my dad had a digital camera. I took photographs of, of, uh, of cookbooks, you know, food I liked. Mm-hmm. Put it all together in like a, you know, binder. Wrote like the world's worst business plan. This like, is nuts. I, I went to Office Max and bought Business Plan Pro software, and I you know plugged it in. It was like you want to open a business, what kind? I scroll, scroll, scroll. Restaurant, you know. And I put you know I, I did a SWOT analysis and a financial analysis. I spent all day Sunday making this thing. I went in on Monday, met Jack, walked the space. It was totally torn apart. And I'm guessing you, Jack, at that point. Either was just meeting with you and that's what happened or had a few people lined up to talk to. I don't think they had any people lined up. Really? I mean, they were going to go with the Hebroids. You know, they, yeah, I know. They, were, they were the it people. They were the cool And how kids. far out were they at that point in time? They were about a year out. Okay. So a little less. Um, but yeah, the hotel, I mean, the, it was a huge build out for the hotel. So they were sweating bullets. And so I, I meet Jack and I, I talk through my vision and he just goes like, hey man, I like it. It's cool. You want to do a gastropub? You know, that's, that's awesome. Like the bar is going to be over there. The kitchen's going to be over there. Like you just, you know, put it together. Um, <clears throat> let's do it. Here's the thing. We have zero funding for you, right? You have no money and we have to have you locked in in 90 days. So you, you need to be funded in 90 days. Mm. And I was like, all right, I'll give you a call. And, uh, 91 days later I had half a million dollars. And where'd you get that? I'm just curious. I started calling anybody who knew anybody who had any money. You know, when you're, and when you, you pieced it together, it wasn't I, all from one source? No, I, I mortgaged my house. Mm-hmm. I owned my house, mm-hmm. and um, housing, the housing market was starting to blow up. So I, I got a hundred grand out of that. Mm-hmm. My dad mortgaged his house, so I got some cash out of that. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. Um, an old friend of mine from high school who was living in New York um, and was trying to make it in the film industry, he called me. He knew I was looking for money, and he said, hey, I want to you know, drop film industry. It's not working, and we, you know, we love Manhattan, but it's too expensive. My wife and I are going to move to Portland, and what do you think? We'll be partners. And I said, okay. Um, 
you know, and I love him dearly. He's still a partner. Um, mm-hmm. He's not involved with Clyde at all. He actually did not like the process of putting together Clyde mm-hmm. and had some issues with uh, being in Portland versus New York. You know, That's interesting yeah. with someone in the film industry, which is a process in and of itself that yeah. sounds glamorous, but isn't very. No, it's a, it's a hard business. <laughs> um, yeah. So he, you know, he came out uh, and threw, threw cash in um, and we built Clyde and we got it open and he went back to New York. So he's a, he's a silent partner. <clears throat> you know, um, you're you're basically painting a story that all the business school background that anybody could have, you don't necessarily need. You just need to be in the right place at the right time. Right place, right, the right time, ideas. right motivation. Right. You know, if I was, if this was like a, that would be cool to do, but I have no idea how to do it. And I've talked to so many people who want to be creative and want to do their thing and have their vision come to fruition, but they don't know how to do it and they're not really going to. They want it to just happen. Right. And I, I knew that wasn't going to happen. I knew I had to fight, you know, tooth and nail every single square inch. I had to fight to make this thing happen. And I did. You know, the, the last money in was, was, was the building owner. The Ace does not own that building. So that, that group, I got to know them. And uh, they saw how hard I was working to make this thing happen. And they said, hey, you know what? Here's, here's the final, you know, bit of cash to get you there. And did you... And were you a little nervous about that? I was you, freaked out. Yeah, was, oh my God. I was, you you know, had a lot on the line. That, that, and, that was the hardest year of my life. Get raising the money, uh, building, you know, finding all the, all the details, you know, bringing in the contractors and all the trades and <clears throat> designing the space and all of that stuff. How are we going to do this thing? Find the table builders, figure out the chairs, you know, and, and each, each point along that story has its own story, you know, of course, because it's just, it was crazy. And what you, I'm guessing wasn't in a business plan or a conversation, and correct me if I'm wrong, was we're going to build the consummate communal dining Portland, Oregon restaurant that other people are going to point to and say, that's Portland. Totally. You and, did, did you, you just fell upon that. I fell, you know, I wanted a big communal table, right? That was right. a cool idea and it's flexible. You can do a 20 top, you can do 10 two tops. You right. know, it's really flexible. It's also not the most ideal dining. You know, I mean, I eventually took out that one giant table mm-hmm. because we weren't doing great with it. It was hard to generate the revenue we need to generate, you know, per hour, per seat um, on that giant, giant communal table. But I couldn't figure out, everyone was fighting in this whole process, and I could not figure out how to do seating down there that made sense. And I literally was like, you know what, guys, fuck it. We'll do all communal tables. Upstairs, two tops and four tops. Downstairs, all big tables. And then we chose a name, Clyde Common. It was going to be The Clyde. Um, and then, uh, because of Clyde's prime rib, they had the DBA, um, Clyde and we couldn't just do the Clyde. So we had to do Clyde something. And with that communal table, why, that Clyde? Came together, why was that, uh, that so important after you had the, pro- uh, uh, stumbling block with Clyde's prime rib, right? That is the old Clyde hotel. Okay. So 1912, I think mm-hmm. that hotel was built and it was the Clyde hotel for a very long time. So the ACE is coming in. It, it, it got renamed to the Ben Stark hotel. And the Ace was coming in, taking over, and you know, renaming it. And if you look on the tile in the lobby of the Ace Hotel, there's a there's a tile, uh, the Clyde, or I think this is Clyde Hotel, on the floor. So we, we knew it had to be the Clyde, and that came from from Jack Barron. He was like, "It's oh, it's Clyde a- something. You got to figure it out from there." Okay, right. Um, so that you know, I I got the cash together. I signed a lease, and uh, starting in it was a uh, uh, September. 2006, um, we started building out or figuring it out, and we opened May 2007. And and how did Jason and Jeffrey Morgenthaler come about? I don't know <laughs> if he was with it from the get go, but I I think he was. He was about a year after we opened. Okay. <clears throat> um, Jason, I met very early on um, when I was still fundraising, 
Um, of course, he was you know coming out of out of Gotham, which was now closed. And Jason and I didn't know each other, but we sat down and had a conversation about the menu and what what it could be. And I liked what Jason said. Um, I'd, I'd eaten his food, um, so I, I I said you know this is the chef. We'll just do that. I didn't talk to anybody else. And between then and now, have you learned? This is no statement on Jason, but this was new to you. So. Now I'm sure when you're finding a chef, you need to find out how that vibe is going to be, the personality. It's not just the menu and, you know, what they can cook. Very true. Very true. Um, yeah, you have to figure out, you know, who this person is as a human being and as a business person. You know, being a chef is, you know, it's, it's 30% cooking. The rest of it's management and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dealing with all the stuff that pops up and fixing things and being, being a face. You know, it's, it's media, you know, it's, it's PR and marketing. You have to do all of these things. Um, in reflection, I would have hired Jason, you know, with everything, you know, that, you know, now we have as history. I think he's a great chef. I think he's a great guy. I think he has a wonderful heart. I think he's a wonderful family man. Um, there's, there are challenges, but I, you know, I've, I've had challenges with myself in these settings. They are hard. And you've learned what you're good at and what you're not along the way. I've I'm learned sure. what I'm good at and learned what I'm not. I'm learned, learned where my strengths are and mm-hmm. I play to those. And I also know my weaknesses and I try to pull in people who have strengths that I don't have. Mm-hmm. That's the key in partnership. You know, when I look at like Michelle and Eli as partners in Olympia Provisions, they are heavy hitters in their category. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they, I could never do what they do. But you didn't know that when you went into business. No, I didn't you know, know it now. And, you know, I've had, I've had business, business partners that did not work. Right. And I've hired chefs. I've vetted chefs and I've gone through that whole process and have had it not work out. Mm-hmm. So until you're in it, you don't really know. You just do the best you can. I was in a marriage for 18 years. It seemed great for 17. Yeah. Then- then you, all of a sudden you don't know things change, whatever people right. change and you, you make it, you, you, you change, you know, right. you, you change course. Um, Jeff was our th- uh, third bar manager. Um, after Charlie Hodge, he was the opener. Great guy. He, he did uh, just under a year. And then, um, um, Tim Davey and Kevin Ludwig kind of co-managed for a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin went on to do beaker and flask. Tim is now a wine purveyor, you know? Um, and, uh, so those guys, so beaker and flask took like three years to open. It took forever, and I I employed well, that's Kevin. That's about what it took to close. Yeah, totally. Too. Oh boy, I employed Kevin while he was working on Beaker and Flask, mm-hmm. and I kind of said, you know, you know, work at Clyde for two days, you know, help manage the bar, um, but but work on Beaker and Flask. I'm not I'm not threatened by you doing your own project, and that's been a thing in our industry where you know I I felt it at Castagna. I started the Clyde Common project and putting pieces together, and and Castagna said, when are you done? And I said, well, I, can I stick around for maybe one night a week? I'll just 10 bar on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, you're going to go off and do your own thing. You know, good for you. Go be successful. Good luck on you. And there's the door. And, and that's the way it goes. So I kind of made a business decision in my mind where if someone's working on their projects and I can, I can harbor, I can help them, shelter them, you know, help put food in the table, I'll do it. Um, so I did that with Kevin. He, he then left to do Beaker and Flask and we needed a bar manager. And they knew Jeffrey Morgenthaler through the Oregon Bar Guild. So Jeff came up for the weekend, stayed in the Ace. We went out to dinner. We went to Higgins and had dinner and talked about everything. And uh, I said, great, the job's yours. You know, pack up your stuff, man. Move up here. And he's done, uh, he's been quite a face. Oh, he's for, been quite a face. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's great at what he does, but he's also a PR machine for he's, Clyde Common. Still. He's a PR machine for Clyde Common. He's, you know, he's written two books. They're selling fantastic. They're, you know, must-have seminal books. I've been in uh, you know in bars in in, uh, in Europe and I see his books on the on the shelves. Yeah, that's cool. Which is awesome. Um, and he's also a, a fantastic writer. You know, mm-hmm. he's got a really great voice, 
and he writes from his heart and he has a you know perspective about the bar world and the restaurant world that I think is unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Hey, Chris, pausing a moment here to talk about one of our favorite places in Portland to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. Portland Steakhouse for over 75 years. The Peterson family has been, I think they're in the third generation now. Um, and uh, it is one of the consummate places to go eat. And right now, in the midst of just another little bit of a scare i call it a little bit because we hope it's over soon but if you're looking for safe opportunities to dine uh, ringside has one of the nicest outdoor warmed dining spaces or under a tent uh, that you can find they've really done a nice job um, it's not on macadam they actually put a, a floor down as well um, and you get that great ringside service and fantastic ringside food outside um, in uh, a really nice dining space. Of course, they're still open inside in the restaurant and the bar, and, and they also have takeout as well, uh, which is offered Wednesday through Sunday until 9 p.m. They have to go. You can call and place your order beginning one hour uh, prior to the start of business, which would be generally either 4 or 5 o'clock. And Chris, let's not forget about talking about the three-course prime rib Wednesday, where for 48 bucks you get uh, their great prime rib along with uh, mixed greens and then something for dessert, which is the creme brulee, which is one of my favorites. So that's on Wednesdays, the three-course prime rib. Very nice. Portland's best steakhouse, and they've been there forever. Uh, in terms of restaurant life, even more than forever. Uh, Ringside Steakhouse, you can find them at ringsidesteakhouse.com and you can find them at 2165 West Burnside in Portland as well with valet parking. Yep, you can set up your reservations there or use that open table app. So, um, and it's hard now. Clyde Common, I would imagine, it's been around for a while. And in in a market where everything is the next new shiny thing, it's it's hard to keep making noise at Clyde Common and make people think of it. You yeah. know, we just talked about how you can have a lot of ideas on where to go out to eat and not remember the thing you thought about five seconds ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's hard. It's hard. Um, you know, we've had a, a you know multiple chefs through. Our current chef Clayton Allen is uh, really talented. He's been with us for five years, I think. Super great guy. He so, run, so he did, was he there while Carlo? He La, was. La yeah. Magna was there. Yeah, yeah. He was there under Carlo, and Carlo left, and then the two sous chefs got promoted to kind of co-executive chef, um, and then the one sous chef uh, or, or co-executive chef left. He went back to Minnesota, and uh, Clayton is our current executive chef, and he is he runs a really really tight happy kitchen, and I've had many many chefs who don't run a tight kitchen or don't run a happy kitchen. You know, mm -hmm. I, you know, those are two important, super aspects. important. And his food's fantastic. He's not really known. You know, he's not, he's not one of the names out there that are talked about by the media. No. And it's hard to get that to happen it nowadays. Is. I think five years ago, it was easy to capture eaters attention and other, it's harder now to, unless someone's been a lot of big places, a lot of big places, or you have a great story about yourself. Right. You know, and I love these stories, but if you come from a background that has a challenge or if you have found sobriety or if you, you know, go on a TV show and make waves doing that, we laugh, you know, you got to like, you know, light your shirt on fire and like, you know, dive off the building into a teacup and, 
you know, shoot, you know, foie cannons at things. You're it's like, not cooking. It's not cooking. No, no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting noticed. It's getting noticed. And, you know, some really talented people don't get noticed that much. Yeah. They, they just don't have that personality. And Clayton doesn't. You know, he's a sweetheart. He's, he's, he's down in the basement butchering a lamb and teaching people how to do that. And uh, that's his satisfaction. That's how, you know, he loves that stuff. The idea, I think, for him going on like a TV show, he's, he's just not going to do it. It's not his thing. And he I wouldn't and do I would it never if ask. Ask. Yeah. No, I mean, if it came along and it was the right thing, we'd talk about it. Um, I mean, I talked about it with Carlo. Carlo tried really hard to get noticed um, mm-hmm. on the national, you know, media, uh, you know, levels. And uh, he he did not get called back on some things, and it hurt him. And he's got a great personality. Great personality. So yeah. When I first met, I walked into, I didn't know who he was. So there was a, a Little Green Pickle was doing something, I believe it was, at Clyde Common. Carlo was fairly new. I walked in. The first second I met him, I said, I love this guy. I want to do an event with him because of his personality. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, he, he did the his presentation of his Filipino background and his father and the food at our PFA that we did was some of the most memorable times we've had. And we've done a lot of events. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's surprising to me that he had a hard time getting that kind of footing. I don't think he does now. I think everybody loves Carlo. Everyone now loves everybody Carlo. knows who he is. They know who he is. Yeah. I think if you want to do a, a top chef show, I think it was top chef that, you know, he didn't make it to the finals and he was upset. Right. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And you know, Magnus about to open and it's going to be fantastic. When he left Clyde, we decided it was time because he wasn't super stoked at Clyde. He wanted to spread his wings just like I did when I was mm-hmm. at Castagna. Right. And we sat down, had a heart to heart. I said, what do you want to do, man? And he was like, I just want to get my thing going. You know, my, my people, my history, my father, my family. And that's not Clyde Common. And it's not Clyde Common. And I think on one level, he kind of wanted to make it Clyde Common. And mm-hmm. I did allow that menu to bring in some Filipino ideas. Um, I like to, you know, see what's out there and see what's cool. And, you know, we started doing feasts at Clyde. That was under Carlo. Right. And, uh, yeah, I said, I said, do it. I said, go for it, man. You can use Clyde's kitchen for anything you have coming up. And he has. He's used that kitchen dozens of times. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, you're, if you're eating a, a Carlo Magna event at Feast, it was prepped at Clyde's kitchen. Mm-hmm. That food is stored in our walk-in. You know, I, of course, never charge him a dime. Right. I said, you know, this can be a home base for you. Use it. Go. Get after it. Get your place open. We, The city needs it. We need your food, Carlo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's nobody else doing it. So, yeah. Um, then how did Olympia Provisions come about? All how right. did that partnership happen? I'm, I'm a year and a half into Clyde. Right. It's going well. Um, we're, we're making money. You know, um, I'm not working, you know, you know, 18 hours every day. I'm, I'm working 12 hours every day. So let's also define what making money means in the restaurant business. Does that mean a year and a half into Clyde Common, you're above water and you're making it, you're, you're happy and you're able to buy some consumables? Does that mean you're driving, you're looking at Mercedes? That I, I don't think it means in Portland, Oregon no. to have a successful restaurant. But what I, does making money mean? A year. So I, so I put $200,000 into Clyde mm-hmm. and I own 51% of mm-hmm. the business. Um, but a year and a half in, I had paid about 60000 back. Mm-hmm. So I'm paying myself a, a salary, not a great salary, but I'm, you know, frugal. I'd rather pay my employees more money than pay myself more money. Right. Um, so I have a salary. I'm not starving. When I opened Clyde, I was starving. I was 30 pounds lighter than I am today. Just and, because you and I could use a few it. pounds right now. But yeah, I, I was I was eating ramen every day. I would eat ramen and a, and a, with an egg cracked into it. I could, and that's before ramen was ramen in Portland. No, it, uh, that's the yeah. stuff you buy at the grocery store oh, it the was, pla- in the plastic 
square. It was. You know, I'd, go, I'd go out to uh, Fuba and I'd get the Korean style spicy ramen. Oh, good. Well, at least you knew where to get better ramen than I knew where to yeah, get it. So. I, got, I got better than the top ramen. <laughs> yeah. was it, it was still, you know, eighty cents a meal. Yeah, and I, I could eat that three days, three, three meals wow. a week. You know, so yeah, my my vitamin counts were messed up. Uh, we couldn't afford alcohol. So I bought um, a big jug of Everclear, like a handle of Everclear, and we made like a limoncello out of it. And my wife and I drank like lemon. We want at home. We want to have a drink Not at a home. Not common. I you had to stock the bar. I couldn't afford to go to a restaurant. I had I had people coming in. I had I had people trying to cold sell me on things like you know buy my POS system or like buy my insurance, and they'd come in and say, hey, can I you know try to sell this to you? Can I talk to you? And I'd say, tell you what, I'll listen if you buy me lunch. And we'd go to Jake's, you know, or mm-hmm. or Henry's Tavern, and I'd like you know. T- Destroyed There's a hamburger. No sh- you had no shame. I had no shame. I was starving. Right. You know, I was trying to build a restaurant. I had a finite amount of money. We opened Clyde with probably $300 in the bank account. Wow. And we unlocked the door and, you know, 150 people walked in. I'm sure that's not unusual, but it's happening less and less these days because you need bigger investments with bigger. Yeah. And it you, takes time. Yeah. And the second you open that restaurant or you hire that staff, that's really what it is. You hire the staff, you got to pay them. Right. You, they can't leave their job. And come work for you if you don't have any money. Right. And you, you know, if you're not open, you're not generating money. You know, you're paying rent. And if you're opening, you don't know what your numbers are going to be. You right don't off know. The bat. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you guess. I write spreadsheets. You know, and I and I and I, and I say, well, if we do a hundred covers and they all spend thirty dollars each in an hour and a half, you know, here's what we could look at revenue wise. Right. But you don't know. Right. So and 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 now in our very crowded restaurant scene, it take, takes time. So if you open a place. You better be ready to float that thing for six months, right? You know, and you can't float it for six months and like, like, oh, let's not do brunch anymore. Let's close on Monday. Oh, let's open at six p.m. and close at ten p.m. Those are all signs that you're not doing well. And you know, slowly you're trying to reduce your overhead. You know, you're cutting hours because on Sunday at nine o'clock at night, no one's in the place. Mm-hmm. No one's, no one's going to come on Sunday at nine o'clock unless you find a way to attract people in. I mean, that's a question we have to ask. Okay, it's nine o'clock on Sunday. You want to go out and get a bite? Let's go to that restaurant. Why do you want to go to that restaurant? What are they doing that, you, that we're not doing? Mm-hmm. And you ask that question and you change your offerings to really, you know, I, 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 I say it's fishing. You got to make a better net. There's a hole in your net and you're like, well, let's just get a smaller net. You're not going to catch more fish. Mm-hmm. You got to fix the hole in your net so that when you cast it, you have the best chance of getting that fish. Well, that's an interesting way of looking at it. And you got a lot of nets out there, I got, too. I got a lot of nets. With lots of opportunities for holes. Yep. So, so a year and a half in, Clyde's doing okay. We see revenue coming in. You know, I'm paying the loans down. It, it took me nine years to pay Clyde off uh, for my for my investment. And, you know, and that's just like throwing a little bit at, you know, my buddy Mike, who lent me 30 grand, and I'm paying him 10% interest. Right. You know, hey, Mike, I got 10 grand to pay that loan, loan down. You know, next next round. You know, hey, Amy, I got five grand to pay that loan down. And they're, they're, they're all contracts, you know, so I know I have to pay these loans back, I, you know, and I have a certain amount of time to do it and I'm uh, paying an interest rate. The last one was my home mortgage. I carried that, you know, HELOC, home equity line of credit for 10 years. And I finally, we re- refinanced the house and we finally just paid that thing off entirely, which felt great. Great. Congratulations on that. Thanks. That's a big one. Thanks. It is. So, okay. You're a half in, boom, things are going. And I'm, I'm thinking, Hey, uh, I want to do another restaurant. I want to do it with more partners. Because when I opened Clyde, you know, my partner left and it was, it was a lonely experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have, I don't sit down at, at Clyde Common with a, you know, a, a table of partners saying, what should we do? I sit down with a table of people who work for me 
or work for Clyde, really. But and have I nothing go, invested other they don't than have it invested. their livelihood at the moment. No, and they work their butts off. I'm not taking anything away from them for not being financially invested. Right. But like, there is something about, you know, someone who's financially invested saying, I think we should do this and try to make our investment work. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, there's a, there's a motivation there. Mm-hmm. So I, I say, I want to get partners. I want people who are actually involved with the business, who are good at what they do. I want it to be smaller and I want to be focused on charcuterie and wine. So I'm like, there's, you know, no one's really doing great charcuterie and like this really cool experience of like, you know, beautiful Burkle slicers and like badass, you know, big charcuterie boards. I'll make them all, you know, you know, carve walnut and do like, you know, things that hold little shots of, you know, aperitivos and, you know, um, a big sexy menu. that's like a chalkboard and you just like, be like, I want a duck riette and a, you know, slice of Telegio cheese and a, you know, uh, blood orange marmalade. That sounds great. It'll be fun and interactive and really casual. I don't want to do like a full restaurant. So I'm working on this idea. I'm writing this business plan. Uh, Jason, who was the chef at Clyde, he's involved. And he's like, I'm going to be the chef. And uh, I, you know, Jason did great at Clyde. Clyde's a big restaurant with a lot of moving parts. And Jason's not really wired to be a, a chef in a big restaurant with a lot of moving parts. So a smaller restaurant with him in ownership, he also wanted to be paid more. And I knew that Clyde couldn't pay him more, you know, the amount he wants to be paid. So Jason's involved. And then Jason's wife, Carly, wanted to be involved with the front of house. Uh, my current general manager at Clyde, Elizabeth, wanted to be involved. You know, she saw me writing it, and she was like, "Hey, my husband and I have some you know, a nest egg. What do you say we get involved?" And I go, "Okay, that's interesting." Um, her husband worked at Clyde as a, as a line cook, mm-hmm. so I know him. You right. know, he's kind of a wild man, bless his heart, Tyler Gaston. Um, but like, yeah, this is crazy. This is cool. I finally have partners. That's really like the mission statement. Mm-hmm. I finally have people who want to do some stuff and like make it happen. And it's not all on you. It's not all on me. And they got some money. It's not mm-hmm. like I'm like raising all the money and being like, you get 10%, right? you know, and the, the money parts on my shoulders. So then the phone rings and Eli calls me. Um, he, he and I worked together at Castagna. So for years, and he was a chef at Castagna at the time. He said, Hey dude, I hear you're trying to get a charcuterie open. Um, what's up? And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to make charcuterie. I'm not going to be, you know, a USDA certified charcuterie. I want to buy cured meats and have a really sexy place to slice them and pour wine. And he says, okay, okay, cool. My sister and I are working on our own project. We're going to make charcuterie. We're going to be USDA certified organs first, and we're going to launch this thing. And like, you know, she has some money. I don't, we're trying to find, you know, we're writing the HACCP plan, hazard analysis and conception plan. And we're trying to find space to do it. And, uh, that's cool. I said, you know, the restaurant I'm looking at, it's down in the industrial area. Nothing's down there. Like Produce Row is the only thing down there in the Southeast Industrial. Um, it's pretty barren. Rent's pretty cheap. And there's a space next door to the restaurant space that they're going to do a hair salon in. Very uh, important to the key of su- yeah. for a success of a restaurant is a hair salon. Yeah, got to have a hair salon. Totally, yeah. <laughs> totally. So I go to the, to the building owner, um, uh, Beam Development. I'm working with Jonathan Molson on this project. What's up, Hookie? Um, and, and I say, Hey man, I, you know, what if we took over the space and we make a USDA certified charcuterie and John says, great, you know, awesome. Do it. So Eli, Michelle joined the team. We all meet at Clyde common. There's eight of us. Um, uh, my, my friend Marty, um, wanted to get involved as well. So he came in as an investor. Um, and he's still an owner in, in Olympia provisions. Um, and <laughs> Richmond bar, bar Casabale, and he also owns Freehouse with, uh, Eric Moore. So we all sit down and we write this business plan and we kind of formulate what Olympic provisions is going to be. Mm -hmm. It's not Southeast at that point. It's Olympic provisions. Yeah. And then we build it out. We built it out. Um, uh, I acted as general contractor. So are you talking about the building where you're, 
the manufacturing facility right now? No, it's it's where OP Southeast oh, is. Oh, where OP Southeast. Yeah. So you were making it, you were going to make... Sh- we did. Okay. Yeah, that hair salon became Oregon's first USDA certified charcuterie. <laughs> it's 800 square feet. There's a door in OP Southeast that you know many of you have seen. It mm-hmm. says meat department. Right. Go through that door, walk through a second door, and you're in. It's now our pickle factory. Mm-hmm. But that was, you know, Eli got two walk-ins, converted one to be a curing room. He made a little incubator. Um, he hired one employee, and uh, everything was hand-cranked, um, hand-ground, hand-mixed. Um, and Eli got in there and, you know, made his first batch of salami. And uh, it was scary. You have to have a lot of vision and a lot of optimism to start there and want to do that every day, knowing it's going to be a grind, yeah. no pun intended, yep. to get to success. Yeah, that, that was Eli's vision. Eli said, I can make cured meats better than what you can buy. And why do you think he thought that? Because he was in uh, Switzerland for four years, All right, working right. working with those Jägermeisters up in the mountains. Right. He learned that art. And right. he, Eli is a driven, talented human being. Right. And he's a he's a genuinely nice man. He's, he's one of the greatest guys in the world. I love that we had, I'm pointing to that seat because we used to have guests sitting over there. The podcast episode we yeah. have with Eli. Have you listened to it at I all? I don't think I have, but I'm going to now. We need to turn you into a right at the fork listener because there's a lot there I think you would enjoy. Cool, cool. Anyway, that's a great episode and I don't know the number offhand. Eli Cairo, we will find it. And I can, I can mention Google it. search that. No, for everybody, we'll uh, mention it in the intro. Okay, good. Um, yeah, so we build the place out. Um, we get it open for cheap. We had very little money and uh, it, it worked. We were open to, the, to business. We started curing meats and selling them at farmers markets, of course, and also at, at OP and, you know, or Olympia Provisions, um, Olympic Provisions at the time. And um, it worked. And after the first year, some things changed. Um, three partners left the business because it uh, eight partners was a lot, a lot of people's opinions. Um, and you had and you had a lot of things to formulate opinions upon. Yeah. Do you have the restaurant and a, did you have the retail business at that point in time for the, yes, you did. Cause yeah, you were selling we're, it at farmer's markets. Yeah. Yeah. We were at farmer's markets. Right. And that was the beginning. And that was it. But now you can find it all over the place. Yeah, so you can't walk into a grocery store without a big yeah. Olympia provisions section and the more's coming. Yes. Um, yeah. No, we're nationwide. We just pushed into the Japanese market about a year ago. Um, and we're also in, in Canada where we're in Vancouver. So yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're coming up here. We're going to be Whole Foods, all of our product nationwide, 404 stores. I think. That's nice. That's going to be great. Trader Joe's nationwide. So yeah, three partners left. Um, it was a struggle and um, that's just the way it goes. And everyone went off to do their, the people, the people who left are now doing that, what they want to be doing. Um, there are four partners left. Um, the fifth partner um, uh, did leave about ooh, six months ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of it's that we are growing. We're not a business that's taking any kind of revenue. So we're selling a lot of product, but we're not personally putting that money in our pockets. We're putting it back into the business. We're growing it. We're buying equipment. We're paying off loans. We are, you know, we're down 40,000 square feet and we're, we're growing. We're going to be out of our, you know, grow out of our space at some point in mm. some, some years. Wow. That's a big space. I, hope it's, I hope it's 20 years. Because uh, it's, it's expensive, our, right. our build out to make that thing. Uh, what we needed was, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But um, that's our vision. We want this to, you know, be a quarter billion dollar company, and we think we've got the branding and the product to get it there, and we've got the mind, the brains that need to take it there. It's going to be blood, sweat, and tears every single day. 
Yeah, and at what point do you get to relax and enjoy the fruits of your labors? Uh, you know, I do relax and enjoy the fruits of my labors some. Um, you know, I've got 10, 15, 20 years, you know, and I'm not going to open a million more restaurants. Um, I love that doing you them. Say. Uh, that I say. I know. I've been saying no more for the last nine. Exactly. I'm sure you have. Um, yeah, I'm starting to branch out into some other ideas. You know, I, I like the idea of helping people get business that is successful and, and creatively uh, nurturing. So I teach a class at PCC on restaurant design. That's fun to do. Um, my door is kind of open for my employees and for people I don't know to help them figure out what might be next. I also, I love to build. I'm a welder. So I, you know, if you've sat in a stool at one of my places, there's a good chance I've made it. Um, or and can I, you invent the next comfortable stool? That is what I want to do. Yeah. Okay. I'm, because I'm, I, I'm looking to start a, a dude, furniture, an industrial furniture design company that makes a comfortable stools and b well-built affordable stools. Yeah, that's great. Because I have to tell you, the older I get, the more comfort comes into my dining decisions. I know. I know. I know. And I see it. You know, I talk to folks, my, myself included, or like my, my mom is a classic example, right? She's, you know, she's, you know, you know uh, advanced in age, but she's still very active and agile and she's out doing things, but she does not like a loud room and she does not like an uncomfortable stool. I don't like a stool. I don't, I very rarely see one that I like I know, and I shy away from them. Well, let's sit over there. And I'd rather be at the bar or the at the chef's counter, but sure. it looks uncomfortable to me to sit there for a while. And, more and, and more so. And if you try to find restaurant you know, equipment or furniture, it, it, it's shit. Like there's, there's, there's very little out there that is either good quality, comfortable or affordable. Mm -hmm. You see that Tolex stool, you know what I'm talking about? It's a, it's a metal stool. It's a yeah. square top. Got a little hole on it. Yep. yep. <clears throat> you see them everywhere um, because Tolex was a 1950s design and mm -hmm. uh, their patent ended. So anyone can make them. Um, and they're stamping those things out. They're like, you know, 60 bucks a pop. Um, you can buy them at Pittman Restaurant Supply or Roses or, I mean, I'm sure Costco I has I just them. saw Gorham selling some for $5 a piece. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> totally. So why do you see them everywhere? Because there's not a lot of other options. Right. Your options are kind of just crap. Right. But to me, if you, if you make a better stool, oh my God, that's going to change it. When I walk in immediately and see those things, I'm like, yep. strike yep. right off the bat. Go to Parcasa Valley. That's a good, comfortable stool. It's heavy. Okay. Uh, you, you know, we designed that and, and I, I, you know, welded them together. Um, it's got a cushion top. There's no lumbar support. I like the cushion top. Yeah, but it's a nice cushion top. Um, you know, we had a, a upholster uh, sew them. It's automotive vinyl. And then we just made it. I, you know, cut plywood, got foam rubber to, and put them together. I don't remember offhand. I have to go there. As a matter of fact, I'll be, you and I will be there July 10th. Yep, July 10th. Just to segue into that, we're doing an event with Eric Van Clay. Yes. Uh, Portland Food Adventures event, July 10th. You can go to portlandfoodadventures.com to check that out. Come check I'm it out. I'm excited about that. It's We opened Taylor Railworks. Yes. Speaking of um, benches. I used to sit at the chef's counter all the time. I loved it. I don't remember what the what the stools were like there, but they were comfortable enough. Yeah, they were. They swiveled. Did they? Yeah, they were nice. Oh, so yeah, and it's not all about the swivels. Eric's an incredible cook, chef. Eric is such a talented chef and talented food person, and he's also just a really wonderful, calm um, leader. So he's 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 one of the most adult chefs I've had in one of our kitchens. And I and um. I used to love to go to Taylor Railworks because you could watch the whole machine. Oh yeah, and watch them as you can in a lot of restaurants now. But his was right out there. Yeah, Taylor. Taylor was such a cool kitchen, and mm -hmm. he designed that. And he, I mean, he said to me like that was the best kitchen he's ever worked in 
because he designed it and that chef brain where everything needs to go was, was, was all in Taylor Railworks. No, he's killing it at Bar Casavale. If you haven't been in yet to eat his food. I haven't been there for his food. And, you know, my challenge is I only get so many visits a month living in Manzanita and I pick and choose where I go and I will, I'll get there uh, in the next week. Now that I know you have great food and comfortable uh, um, stools. Stools, yeah. Yeah, super comfortable. Yeah, when Eric came on to Bar Casavale, you know, he said, you know, he was, Taylor Railworks didn't work out. He tried. You know, put some years into it. You know, it's a hard business. We all know that. Didn't work out. So a uh, big snowstorm in 2016 was kind of the final final straw. Because it's true, you know, you're, you're, you bleed money when there's bad weather he's, and he's, people don't come out. Chessa was a, was a victim of that too. Oh, my God. The whole, the whole thing. And I, I love Chessa. Yeah, you know, it's it was great. fantastic. There were quite a few. Oh, and uh, oh, We, we, I mean, Barcosta Valley had just opened, and we just barely held on. You know, I mean, we... Three months after we opened, we let half our staff go. And we ran that thing with like three people. Someone in the kitchen, someone on the floor, someone on the bar. That's a cool spot. So yeah. what was the inspiration for Bar Casavala? Where, where, what made you want to open that? So I love to travel, love Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably my favorite country to travel in. We have good friends in, in Barcelona um, who are from there. <clears throat> so they're a ton of fun. They're you know great foodie people. Um, they ride motorcycles. So do we. You know, all that cool stuff. Um, so we've, you know, traveled around the countryside um, on the Costa Brava. Uh, we've been up into San Sebastian and Bass Territory. I've you know, been down to Extabari or through the Bilbao area. We're trying to make a reservation there now for our Are group you? of 20. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a pretty large sp- you know, place. It's a big farmhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got multiple dining rooms and, and levels. Yeah. No, I made a reservation and my wife and I took her parents um, to Spain for a, a trip. Um, it was their first time to Europe. Uh, they're from Rhode Island. Mm. And uh, ate and drank and saw all the things. And, you know, to watch their, you know, kind of, the, the, they're they're great culinary-wise, but they also have not really adventured that much. Mm-hmm. So to be like, you know, here, let's eat some Persebus, you know, gooseneck barnacles. Um, and that kind of thing just blew their mind. And it was a ton of fun. But so I love Spain. And and, and I love the l- little funky, weird, you know, towny spots where it's like, you know, kind of crappy furniture and there's a, you know, football game on the TV mm-hmm. and uh, there's some, you know, old man in the kitchen with a little fireplace and he's like doing a rotisserie, you know, whole pig, you know, suckling pig. That's Jose Chessa Sr. years yeah. ago. Yep. Yep. That's, the, you know, I've been in that spot <laughs> watching Jose Chessa Sr. do his thing, grill snails over vine clippings. Right. And I thought, holy moly, I want one of these in Portland. You know, I want this, you know, wood fire driven bar, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be a, a fancy restaurant. You know, I don't want to do traditional, you know, tapas kind of things. I mean, we do some traditional stuff, but I was like, we do that. I mean, John does that at Toro. You know, right. And I love Toro. I love John's food there. I would, uh, Toro and Clyde open in the, in the same week of each other. So I was thinking, really? yeah, I was thinking of Toro. There's a, there's a milestone week in Portland yeah. food history. I mean, this is 2007. BWA opened like a month before Clyde. Mm. A bunch of stuff opened. It was crazy. So, you know, I, I love Toro. And I, I was I thought, God, Toro's fantastic. I want to do my own version with a big giant fireplace. So in the back of my brain, I want to Clyde. So what did John think about that? Did you know? Uh, he and I have never sat down and, and talked about it. Oh, okay. I think, you know, I mean, they've been in. I think they like Bar Casabal. I, I hope they do. You know, I've known John and Renee for a long time. Um you know, I, I think there's a, a nice mutual respect in, in Portland mm-hmm. amongst chef and, and restaurant owners about what other people are doing. I've got some restaurants I don't like, 
and I just don't go to them. You know, mm-hmm. you, you vote with your dollar. I don't, I don't, you know, tell people like, don't go to that spot or whatever. Right. I just, I don't go there. I find it interesting though, uh, uh, because Portland's so supportive. Everybody's so supportive as you were stating, you know, if someone wants to go do, go do their own thing, you'll support them while they're doing that. And everybody's, you know, one of the things that first captured my attention was chefs telling you where to go because that would not happen in Connecticut. Yeah. But I also know that there's got to be, you know, you're all fighting for the same dollar. So at some point there's got to be a little wiser, another one like mine, you know, why sure. they feel the need to open that. So I think it quietly. Yes. You know, um, my wife and I talk about it at home. It's that kind of thing. That's also our personalities. Mm-hmm. You know, I, but, but I think it's human nature. Anybody who's <coughs> successful is got to be a little competitive, but you have to keep it under wraps in right. this city. You know, when I cr- cruise around town and see new development with like the big for lease sign, it says, you know, put your you know new restaurant here, 3,000 square feet, new restaurant. I'm like, we don't need another 3,000 square foot restaurant in this neighborhood. We don't need another restaurant, period. We don't. I don't think. I think I like to celebrate the ones, the Clyde Commons that have been around and been successful and gone through a lot of different cycles and are still very good. Totally. Well, I mean, I like that there are people can do new things creatively, but we really, you know, honestly, we need to go back to Higgins. We need to go back to Higgins. Higgins is so delicious right. and it's still relevant. It's still, it's there. Um, we had some Clyde bartenders celebrate a birthday at Higgins recently right. and they were like, it was old school and awesome. We ate salmon with huckleberry sauce or that kind of thing. You forget how good these restaurants are because you're, we're always chasing the next thing. We yeah. are. We are. More restaurants are going to open. You know, right. I, I want our people who have dreams, you know, our cooks and our bartenders and our servers who want to do something, I want them to do it. So I, I, I want those new restaurants. I don't want a corporation to come out of another state that's well-funded and, uh, you know, wave their money wands. There have been a few of those. There have been a few of those. look at the Pink Taco. That never even made it open. It never, never even opened. even opened, <laughs> which I was so excited to go there once. Everybody was rooting against that. Holstein's. You know, burgers and milkshakes. Right. Right. Out of Vegas, I think. Right. Boom. That's the opposite way it should go. It's the opposite way it should go. We're seeing Portland going to Vegas now, not the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we should go to Vegas and make a lot of money there and bring it back. Right. Bring it back here. Right. And reinvest it. Yeah. I mean, we don't need more food. I think more. (laughs) We don't. We we were covered on on the food area. I do think we need more ideas and more creative, you know, creation and impetus. And why? Um, because it's just, I just as an outlet, but we don't need it. It's no, no, we don't need it. But if I have a line cook who wants to do, you know, Himalayan food that they ate when they were there. Yeah. Pop up or something really small in a neighborhood that needs it. Right. Well, that's, I mean, we're, we're, we're an overlook in in North Portland and I'm not going to open another restaurant. I'm not opening another restaurant. Um, but we're in Overlook. You heard it here. You, you heard Not it here. Not first, you, but you, you heard it yeah, here. Yep. My, my, my wife and my mom are <laughs> somewhere. Their ears are tingling because they're so happy. Um, I, I love my Overlook neighborhood. And we've got some decent spots to walk to. Alibi would be our local bar. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually went there on Saturday for, a, for an afternoon beverage. I, I saw you one morning at Milk Glass Market. Milk Glass Market. Totally. It's great. Fantastic. You love what Nancy's done with that. Mm-hmm. Go up there and get a cheddar biscuit on the weekend. Mm-hmm. That's super awesome happiness. Um, cross over the, the freeway, go to Interurban, go to Lovely 5050. Uh, Radar is you know, a great spot. Now that's uh, That moved up to the top of my list because I've heard so many people tell me I need to go there. Radar is just lovely. It's adorable. I've been. It's super small. It's, 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 you sit at the counter, basically. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a kitchen counter. 
uh, Lily and Jonathan are um, owners. They are husband wife. They work there. Cameron's a sous chef. He's a sweetheart. He's helped us out here and there. It, you know, I feel like Radar is like you know in our family. So I'm waiting for a guy like you, who likes to do this and has 13 enterprises already, who likes the coast, and you know has a place in Manzanita and says, I just need to open a place here. Whether it's going to make a lot of money or not, this place needs. This area, the whole area, I know. needs a good restaurant. And there, have been, good there have been attempts. Yeah. Right? I mean, back in the day, Blue Sky Cafe. Yeah, that and, was Julie, yep. who's got uh, Buttercup now right. and sells incredible chowder. Have you been? I there? haven't actually, no. Great chowder. And know. then and then Manzanita had one, I think, Clo- Blackbird. Blackbird. I lived above that. What? I have a little story on all of these. What, hap- what happened to Blackbird? Uh, she just burned out. Yeah. So as far as I know. Yeah. But she was, I think she, it was a three to four year run and she just opted out of, she, sure. she just left. And I, of all people to, I heard she became a life coach. This is my neighbor that made my life miserable. And <laughs> now she's a life coach teaching other people how to make other others miserable. I hope she's successful with that. I guess I do too. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, it was, a, but now there's a little spot called Yoke okay. there for breakfast and lunch. That's fantastic. And when you say, would you open for dinner? Nope. We're, we're morning people. Yeah. And it's great. But um, I'm, I've always been okay that it's not a hotbed for great restaurants out there because I prefer to spend that money in Portland when I'm here because there was my opportunity to lose weight and not eat as much out there. Sure. So, but still, I don't mind having good places to go out there. Yeah. And, you know, and that's been a thing that we, you know, we've all talked about collectively for a long time. You know, it's wh- hard why, to make why is money. there no good food on the coast? I've heard it's hard to staff. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Hard. That's the, yeah. that's the big challenge yeah. is yeah, staffing that we have a great pizza spot, Marzano's and they just close their dining room and it's takeout only. And that, that was their solution, but that's the tough thing. So you have places like Newport and Astoria that do pretty well because there's a larger pool Right. To draw from for employment, but in Rockaway and stuff. Arch Cape, there isn't, you can't, you can't find food in Arch Cape. Well, there is no place, but you know, Cannon Beach has some decent spots, but I prefer not to go up there because I like, I don't like that many people. Yeah. Too many people up there. It's tourists. Well, our newest venture is called Arizzo. Yes. Have you heard about this? Well, we discussed it a little bit, but I, I, it was kind of under the radar. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's behind Bar Casavale. It's in the same building. Mm-hmm. And Biwa was there. And they closed. <clears throat> and, uh, it, you know, it's a little tiny room. Um, and it was all built out, you know, basically. Had venting and grease trap and power and water and, you know, the difficult things. It just needed a little remodel to make it look cool. Um, and, yeah, it was available. And I just kind of couldn't l- let it go. I couldn't leave it alone. So did the space come before the concept? Or concept yeah, was, was was floating out there in your mind in uh, this this is the space for it. I was bouncing the concept around with Jacob Harth, who was then the chef at Bar Casavale. He's now the chef and a partner at Arizzo, um, as well as Nicholas Van Eck was also at Bar Casavale, and he became a partner and co-chef uh, with Arizzo. And the idea was, you know, all this amazing seafood's on the coast that no one's eating. It's being used for bait, or it's going, you know, to Japan basically. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's eating our sea urchin. No one's eating our uh, mahogany clams or our blood clams. Um, gooey duck. I don't even know what those are. Those are amazing clams that are on the coast of Manzanita. No one's eating them. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they're starting to. No one's catching them either because no I don't one. see anybody out there harvesting them. Right, right. No, no, no one's doing that. 
Jacob um, has always had a connection with the coast. And he's mm-hmm. from, from Oregon, he's from Ashland. Um, but he, you know, would go out there and, and uh, harvest seaweed or, you know, he made these connections with people who are on the coast. Um, there's a woman who uh, collects clams for us out of um, Garibaldi. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's become friends with her and gone out harvesting. And he's like, man, no one's eating this stuff and it's delicious. Um, we should do a, a seafood concept where we really only do invasive species or bycatch or the things that no one were really harvesting and make a, a menu around that and just do a really intensive seafood experience. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool, cool concept. Uh, we don't have any money. And uh, that's a concept that needs to be very specific. It's a, it's a small room. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to do open seven nights a week with 60 seats no. and, you know, see how it goes. Cause that's, you're just going to, you're going to bomb. You're going to know soon. You're going to know soon. Um, and uh, then this thing came along and uh, we did, I said, let's do it. We built it out. We how put, long has it been now? Uh, we opened in February, very quietly okay. in February. Yeah. It was really quiet. <clears throat> yeah. You know, you do social media and you wait for the media, you know, to catch on. That's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Or you, or you hire a PR company and you try to get it out there PR wise, but that costs money. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's 12 seats. We had just those two guys, um, on a very m- mild salary. Um, we didn't hire any front of the house and they were kind of doing it themselves for the first while. We now it's have like two, a willow uh, model. Yeah, basically. Right. Yeah. And if you're an owner in a business and it's not making money, don't pay yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's the Which easiest is way. so hard. Sure. Totally. Yeah. It's, you know, buy some ramen, man. Right. Buy some ramen and Everclear. Make it mm-hmm. happen. <clears throat> that's the way it goes. Bootstrapping. I've had larger restaurants that are not doing well. It sucks. You're doing everything you can to try to figure out how to cut costs without changing who you are. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to ask people, you know, hey, you know, I got to, you, you can only work two days a week. I can't, I can't afford more. I will work the rest of the time. And that's free. the antithesis of what the general news vibe is out there that you, that you as restaurant owners are supposed to pay a fair wage so that people can live and you can't necessarily do that. Very true. And I, you know, I was interviewed recently um, about the minimum, minimum wage going up. And they said, is this going to affect your bottom line? And of course, the answer is yes. Um, and they were like, well, don't you want people to have a, a living wage? And I said, yeah, these are different, different concepts. The idea of wanting someone to have a living wage, I think, I think people should make $50,000 a year minimum. Mm-hmm. You pump gas, you wash dishes, you make 50K. That's it. As you know, long as you go in and you're responsible. Totally. You're great at your job. Right. You know, you, you, you're making 25 bucks an hour. Right. You, that, that makes sense to me. Um, we as restaurants can't afford that. And it's not that the line cook is going to go from $14 an hour to $15 an hour. It's that the guy making $16 an hour has to go to 20. It's the guy who's making $28 an hour. Oh, there you go. They're going to go to $30 an hour mm-hmm. because they're, because of tips. And the way the tip structure works, we share our tips and it's part of our operating agreement. It's part of how we do and we do it mm-hmm. legally, mm-hmm. you know, and there's been a gray area with that legality. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's bitten some, some folks and some places have closed. Mm-hmm. Also, when you go in and see like, you know, gratuity included on the menu that, you know, they're doing that to try to find a legal way to share tips right. so that the back of house is paid well and the front of house isn't taking the lion's share. Nothing against front of the house. They, d- they deserve that money. So do bartenders. They deserve that money. Um, but finding a way to get the back of house to get some of that money too. And when this, you know, the, the government says you got to pay people 50 cents more, no one's making minimum wage except for the tipped people. 
There's no, you know, no dishwashers in my company are making minimum wage. Right. They're all paid better because you have to. That's the, that's the and, going rate. And you can say that the front of the house deserves it. I would say the back of the house slaves. Right. Sure. So, and it's also their choice. Right. They want to be cooks. There you go. That's they they want to learn this skill. They want to take this and go be, you know, horribly creative chefs who make millions endorsing, you know, all clad. Sounds right. great. Is I want it time like to tell the kid playing little league baseball you're not going to be Mike Trout. Is it time to tell some of those people or just let them be and I perform? S- I say, I say, go for it, man. Maybe yeah. you are Mike Trout. Yeah, that's true. There, um, there but, are plenty out there. But have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, there's a lot of things to do in the food world. If that's what you do, you know, then do the food world. There's a there's a shit ton to do. We you can build furniture. You can do PR. You can do what I'm doing. You can you can do Somehow, podcasts. Yes, and that and events and now traveling. Yeah, you can cook amazing brunches for you know people out in the middle of the woods and charge a ton of money. Mm-hmm. You can do that. You know, you can design food for airplane travel. I mean, there's there are so many. You can make the perfect corn nut. And start selling it at a farmer's market. Is there such a thing as a perfect corn? I hope so. I call them Kikos, man. It's the Spanish things. Mm-hmm. We, we got them at Pepe Lamoco. They're delicious. Salty That's and crunchy. Another, so we're out of time. But Pepe Lamoco, man, that is, talk about under the radar. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite places to take people. A couple of times we've been turned away because we're not cool enough. Yeah. I also get turned away. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> um, but um, that place is really cool and i don't necessarily know that you want that me to espouse that on the podcast no 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 but, please do no no you know if you haven't been to pepe lamaco you aren't living yeah you know, it's, it, it's one of so there are a few cool places in portland that i think you're only going to get that experience in portland you may get it elsewhere but damn this is this is available here and you got to check this out yeah so, and, and pepe came around because you know the ace hotel had a storeroom they wanted to do a bar um the infrastructure for pepe is in clyde so <clears throat> the OLCC legality and all of those things are, you know, have to be wrapped together. And so that's it. You know, we got together, Ace designed it. We put Clyde Common, you know, firepower and Jeffrey Morgenthaler's bar knowledge. Mm-hmm. And we made a, you know, it's a, it's a 28 seat underground weird bunker. Kind of speakeasy. A, it's a speakeasy. Yeah. Right. A cocktail bar. You walk into a little oyster bar and you go down the stairs and it's like classic cocktails from the seventies and eighties. I've had some nice romantic moments in there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very romantic. So <coughs> since we're out of time and we've probably mentioned six of your enterprises, six of your restaurants, maybe more mm-hmm. in the course of an hour. Can you just, uh, can you remember, can you list all the places that you own okay. and we'll <coughs> encourage people to try them? It should be 13. Here we go. 13. All right. Clyde common. Um, Olympia Provisions Southeast, Olympia Provisions Northwest. Oh, that's a separate one. Okay. Yeah. Pine Street Market Public House, um, Division Street Public House. And I wanted to talk about that, but maybe next time. Okay. Uh, Oregon City Public House, inside of Oregon City Brewing. Okay. Um, the meat uh, wholesaler, I consider, you know, OP Meats as its own mm-hmm. entity. Um, not open to the public, but there's a badass warehouse down on second avenue in the southeast industrial right by the burnside um skate park mm-hmm. that, that, that's op meets uh, so we, sh- we should be at seven yeah um uh richmond bar on division street great okay. spot best patio in the city um the the patio list that come out by eater and all those places never have it on the list okay so brooke you're we hope she's listening i hope so it, it, it is the best little hidden patio it's got a great fire pit it's covered it's heated it's super sexy. Whenever I'm back there, I'm like, this is the best patio in Portland, Oregon. And Never what block on the list. is it on? It's 32nd Division. Okay. It's across the street from Pock Pock. 
Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, it's right, and it's uh, then it's across the street from Whiskey Soda Lounge. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yep. Uh, okay, Pepe Lamoco. Uh, that's, that's nine. That's nine. Um, Bar Casavale. Yeah. Arizzo. That's 11. Um, oh, Spirit of 77. Very nice. <clears throat> and we have a bakery. I think I saw the uh, broadcast from... Um, about the Blazers last night. Oh, they yeah. were they were the celebration. No, no, they they, they broadcast from Spirit. Yeah, um, so often. That, if you have not caught a game at Spirit, and now we have at least four games I don't coming like up. Loud, okay, then, then, then don't go there because it's it, the place is so <laughs> high in energy. It is crazy yeah. fun. If you like that kind of thing, I'm also I kind of want to watch the game. And then when it's a really raucous environment, I like it's hard to really follow along. But if you want to be in the middle of like, oh my God, Portland explosion. Yeah, I'd fi- like to try that Find once. your way to Spirit during a Blazer game. Try that once. And uh, one more. We have here. a bakery. Yeah, it's called Rushmore Baking. And where's that? Um, it's on Madison and 9th, Southeast Madison and 9th. Oh, okay. It's a little tiny production bakery. We make baked goods and breakfast sandwiches for all of the Stumptown coffees, including the airport. Um, and now we're in probably 10 other locations, Portland roasting. Um, and is it a retail spot? There yeah, so we just, we, I just built a little retail counter inside the bakery and yeah, you can roll in, um, starting at 7am until we sell out, which is usually around two o'clock. And do you use that for the breads for all your restaurants? We don't do the breads right now. We we're not big enough. All right. You will yep. get there. That's well, we'll the get plan. There. We'll sure. get there. Oh my God. If we did our own bread, I mean, we, I, I go through, you know, 4,000 hot dog buns with OP a week. Wow. So Yeah. Uh, if we did the bread, it'd be great, but we need a bigger facility. I'd like to take you to Swanky Frank's in Norwalk, Connecticut, oh, yeah. where they fry the hot dogs. Dude, I could do that. Yeah, it's pretty good. I uh, mean, Tom, I, Tommy and I have been talking about doing a trip to Connecticut okay. uh, and going to all his favorite spots, which include two hot dog places. I would love it. I'm in Rhode Island at least once or twice a year because my wife's family's there. Oh, cool. Well, let me give you a few Connecticut yeah, if you t- can get over to it. Do you ever get to the casino, Mohegan Sun? No, haven't made it. Oh, man. Got to go there. Haven't made it. Although, so like years ago, um, we were driving from Rhode Island back to New York to Manhattan, and we stopped at one of the famous pizza places, and I forget which one. Pepe's, Sally's, Modern. It, it was Modern. Okay. Pizza Modern, right? And I Instagrammed that we were there, and Tommy Instagrammed right back. He came, he came back. He direct messaged me, and he was like, I'm in Connecticut. We're doing pizza research for, it turns out, Pizza Jerk. Right. But we tried to hook up, and we had a we had a flight to catch, and it, we didn't make it. But modern modern is uh, pretty cool. I'll be eating that pizza next month. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'll be eating some Barcasavale. I'll be hopefully in a Arizzo soon. Every every place that you've mentioned that I've been, I love. So congratulations on that, thank and you. thank you so much for taking the time here. I we could have. We could have done this for another hour or two, so I hope we can do it again sometime. I would love to. I would love to. Great. We'll keep telling stories. Yeah, you got a lot. You're you're an easy guest. Thanks so much for coming. My pleasure. Thanks and for having we'll me. We'll see you July 10th. July 10th. Come uh, to the patio, Bar Casavale, uh, around the fire pit. Eat some amazing food, and Eric will spend time with us talking about what he's doing and why cooking out of an eight foot fireplace is pretty badass. That is awesome. And I look forward to it. And I thank you very much for allowing us to come and have that experience. Awesome. Thanks. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right